Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. You know what it is. It's the best night of the week, even if it's day where Blaine is tonight. I'm Dave McCann with Blaine Fowler. He's usually over here. Instead, he's he's way over there uh, at Turtle Bay on the north side of Oahu. How is that you're there and I'm I'm here where it's snowing and cold? I, I don't understand how our schedule is. feel bad because, because it's, it is 80 and sunny here today. I have to say that. And and if I look just beyond my computer, I look out over the swimming pool, past palm trees, over the golden sand, and I'm watching waves come in, massive waves this week on the north shore of Oahu. Um, as DJ, our, uh, our uh, technical director would tell you, he grew up here on the north shore. When the waves get big enough for the Eddie IQ to happen, which just happened a couple of days ago, they're monsters coming in. We're talking 40-foot waves. Um, so, yeah, it's, I feel it's kind of like, where's Waldo? Because remember one time I did the show, Dave, from back in New Jersey. That wasn't yeah. great. I was at the Newark airport. Right. But this, this is different. This is great. This is next-level stuff. So when we finish here, the day will be over here in Provo, and your afternoon will just be will just be getting started. It'll be, it'll be five o'clock. It'll be five o'clock. We're, we're just this time of year. Yeah. We're just three hours behind you. That's right. So it's three right now. We're at six, six with you in the mountain time. I mean, I hope we have people all over the world. I hope it's 10 o'clock in the morning over with uh, our, our friends in Japan with Corey. And, uh, you know, I hope we have lots of folks watching us from the East Coast joining us uh, on Facebook. That's a new one, right? We're yeah. on Facebook now, Dave. YouTube, Twitch, YSGuys.com. And remember, uh, follow us on any of those platforms, but make sure you subscribe um, to any and all of those. We don't care how you get here. We just want you to subscribe, and that's going to allow you and I to do this show for a lot longer. Right? We're Dave? spanning the globe. And uh, and most recently live on Facebook, which is so easy for everybody. And so uh, welcome all, uh, and especially those listening to the podcast. It's, uh, it's good to have you back with the wise guys as we get deeper into January. Here's what's coming up tonight while we wait for the Big 12 schedule, and we think that's going to be next Tuesday, the 31st. Uh, BYU is uh, starting to put together their plan for spring practice tonight. The new mastermind of the defense, Jay Hill, will make his Wise Guys debut. That's just a few minutes from now. We're looking forward to that. Yeah, we're pretty pumped about that. It'll be great to have Jay. Um, it's funny how Jay feels like He's this tremendous fit already, even though he's only been here really just a few weeks when yeah. you think about it. It just feels like this is where he's belonged all along. We're really excited to have Jay on with us. Hey, men's hoops looks to bounce back against the best team in the WCC. And guess what? I'm not talking about Gonzaga. What? You're kidding me. We're talking about somebody else? We're talking about the best team in the WCC right now, and it's not Gonzaga. So we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Women's hoops hit the road after watching their seven-game winning streak come to an end, so now it's time to start a new one. And volleyball's hot start continues for the BYU men. A little, they're always good, right? Sean never like re, rebuilds; he always reloads. But I think I think they're playing above expectations. They hit the road for the first time this season. 
And, man, are they playing some great volleyball right now. And it is just about time to hear those infamous words, play ball. Trent Pratt joins us tonight as he gets ready for his first full season as BYU's head coach. And, uh, and texting back and forth with him today, as it was snowing, we're talking about baseball weather. It's baseball weather where you are, not where we are, but it'll be good to have him in. They're already underway in practice, and the season is just around the corner, and baseball will be here. All right, let's jump into our headlines. Yeah, the Big 12 schedule, the target release is for next week. You know, you and I had Brian Santiago on the show with us last week, and um, even though he wouldn't give us any additional information, he got us kind of excited because he, he, he basically told us the same thing that Tom Homo did, and that is we, we know who's on the schedule. We just don't know when um, until they release that thing. He goes, but let me tell you, you're going to love it. Yeah. You're going to be excited about it. So we've been we've been tempering our excitement here for about a month and a half to two months now, <laughs> anticipating it. But hopefully next week the wait will be over and we'll get to see. My big thing is um, I want to see where Texas and Oklahoma are on that schedule. And are they both on the schedule? And who's at home and who's away? Um, but it's, it's going to be fun to, to, to go through that first schedule um, in the Big 12. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Jay Stocks is watching uh, with us from Vernal, where it's even colder than it's here in Provo. Earl Carr is uh, checking in with us as well, both on uh, YouTube. Uh, and we say hello to everybody as, as you join us here. Weber State All-American cornerback, cornerback, Eddie Heckard transfers to BYU, said he's looking forward to competing in the Big 12. What a, what a huge get that is. Yeah, people are like, Weber State, well, he's stepping up. Yeah. The, at the FCS level, you, you're going to have a handful of players. You don't have the number of players. You're going to have a handful of players that got overlooked for one reason or another that are P5 talent, that are NFL talent. Happens every year. Um, as soon as I heard that Eddie signed, I texted my son, Gavin. I said, Gavin, Eddie Heckard. That's all I said, Eddie Heckard with a question mark. And um, he texted me back. Flat out baller with an exclamation point. There you go. That's all we needed to know. Flat out baller. So um, everybody's really excited. He can come and contribute immediately. Um, and he, he was, you know, he's a P5 talent that got overlooked. I love those guys. They play with a chip on their shoulder. He's going to be a great addition to that secondary. Hey, how about the NFL PA, NFL Players Association Collegiate Bowl? That's this Saturday. Um, it showcases you know, college talent trying to get ready to make their move into the NFL. The kickoff is at 4 p.m. Mountain Time. It's on the NFL Network. Uh, Caleb Hayes and Harris Lachance are going to be involved in this one. That Senior Bowl, which is kind of the big one of all these uh, postseason games, that's Saturday, February 4th at the University of South Alabama. DJ, did you just drop in some mood music? Kind of sound like that. Feel free to do that. That kickoff of that game is at 12.30 p.m. Mountain Time on the NFL Network. You got Jaron Hall, Puka Nakua, and Blake Freeland in that one. So that'll be one to watch. Yeah, and the Senior Bowl is a cool one. NFL coaches coach that game. It's it's the first real exposure. It's going to be really, really good. Hey, how about Chris Brooks talking about exposure? Chris Brooks made a lot of heads turn in his hula bowl experience earlier in the month. Um, played at his best, the way we saw him when he was at his very best, physical, running with, uh, you know, almost like angry um, is, is the way he looked in hula bowl, not in the prep and in the game. So he did himself a lot of good 
and uh, increasing his opportunities in that hula bowl. Yeah. Defensive coordinator Jay Hill is going to join us in just a couple of moments. I'm going to give a shout-out to Kyle Van Noy. Yesterday he made his debut on the NFL Network's Total Access as an analyst. He was fantastic. I texted him afterwards, and he, he texted back, Thanks, Dave. I'm trying my best. Uh, we had the chance to interview him throughout his BYU career. I retweeted a clip of him on the job today, and he retweeted back saying, uh, Thanks, Dave. You got me ready. I think of all the times we interviewed Kyle Van Noy, Long so before he started making big bucks in the NFL, winning Super Bowls, and and uh, and he's going to be good. He's got a he's got a career waiting for him uh, in well, studio when he's done. He's, su- he's such a big personality, and um, he's comfortable in front of the camera. I, you know, I, I think he's going to be great as an analyst, but he's not ready to retire yet. No. This is like a side gig right now. He's still playing at a very high level. I think he, he's got some more in the tank. Right. Yeah, we're gonna get him on the wise guys in March when the Cougars sure. are in camp and sure. pick his brain. Hey, how about this bit. men's hoops teams? Fourteen and nine, and they're just four and four in conference play right now. Um, University of San Francisco Dons defeated BYU ninety two seventy four Saturday. BYU had fifteen turnovers. It wasn't just the turnovers. It seems that the the timing and the cost of those turnovers um, had a big impact. Santa Clara defeated BYU. Um, on Thursday night, and they beat him 83 to 76. In that game, BYU had 19 turnovers. So that's 34 turnovers in two games on the road. And we know that this team turns the ball over, but it's one thing when you turn the ball over and it's a dead ball turnover, right? You come down and throw it out of bounds. The other team has to take it out of bounds. You get a chance to set your defense. In critical times, they have way too many turnovers down the stretch when it results in easy early baskets, early offense, or just flat out transition runouts. On the other end, turnovers are killing them. Their inability to execute and clutch really hurt them on the road this last week. I wrote a column today in the Deseret News on these turnovers and how they've got a full week to figure it out before St. Mary's comes in on Saturday. They have 362 on the season, which is dead last in the WCC, and they have over 100 more than St. Mary's. I think it's like 120, uh, but, but those are possessions. They have 120 less possessions than first place St. Mary's in a game where they lose by six points here, seven points here, one point to Gonzaga. These turnovers are killing them while they're still okay in rebounding and they're number one in the league in a, in blocks and steals. They're number three in assists. They're number six in points. If you just cut the turnovers in half, you'd jump up three or four spots in points. Yeah, this is an interesting BYU team where they're um... – they're better defensively than we've grown accustomed to. Like they, this team can defend and they get stops. The problem is when they get stops in critical time, you know, we'll, we'll think, Hey, if they could just three stops in a row, they call those kills. If, we just, if they could just get a kill right here and score two of those three times, they're back in this game and they have a chance and they'll take momentum. Problem is they get the three stops. Then they take it down on the other end and they turn it over two of the three times down the stretch. And it results in easy buckets on the other end. And, um, St. Mary's is going to be an interesting challenge because um, they don't speed it up. They play slow. And when you play slow and you're really good in the half court, there's fewer possessions in the game. And so fewer possessions mean every possession has higher value. Um, I feel like to beat St. Mary's, BYU needs to keep it right around 10. So we'll see what they can do on that one.
The, so. the Gales are in the top 25, finally. Their net's been sky high all season. They're in at number 22, and they're 9-0 and on top of the league. Gonzaga's number 14, and they're in second uh, at 6-1. and Santa Clara LMU tied for third at 4-3, and and then you have BYU at number four. Right now, BYU's going to end up playing on Friday in the WCC tournament if they don't turn things around. Yeah, I mean, the good news is in the win column, they'd be tied for – you know, tied with those guys. So they, you know, they're just a game, they're a game behind in terms of number of games played. Um, they got a chance to turn this thing around, but they're going to have to figure out how to, how to play when the stress level is high, how to take care of the ball and how to execute when the stress level is high. So um, as we mentioned, BYU's got St. Mary's that's Saturday. It's 10 Eastern, eight mountain. That one's going to be on ESPN two. Um, game day coverage starts at nine Eastern, seven Mountain on BYU TV with live po- TV with live post game show following the game. Um, yeah, big. It's it's bounce back time, and that's the toughest team in the league outside of Gonzaga that you want to bounce back again. And you know what? Maybe the toughest team in the league right now, including Gonzaga. We'll see how that all plays out. But boy, it's a big task for the Cougs on Saturday night. Take care of the ball, and you got a shot. That's for sure. We'll tackle uh, women's hoops uh, and the rest of sports on campus in just a bit. Our first guest tonight is one of the busiest men in football, especially in this offseason. He turned Weber State into an FCS national power. He's now in Provo to make BYU a contender in the Big 12. It's our pleasure to welcome Jay Hill to the Wise Guys. Coach, thanks for being with us tonight. No problem. How are you? Good. Are you out under the stars? You know what? I uh, I am. I was in my truck and it was so dark. I'm at a. I'm out recruiting, so I got to be careful that I don't let anyone know where I'm at. But <laughs> <laughs> we'll take the GPS but I was, off. I was in my truck and it was so dang dark that um, I didn't think it was going to come through. So I went to go inside, and now it's so loud in there that that's not the place to do it. So I'm. I'm looking for a better spot. Well, You're looking this, for a lighted, quiet place somewhere remote. We get it. Hey. Well, well, I apologize because I'm. I have to be at this uh, game. Um. Anyway, but I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find somewhere sweet. Well, it looks so. good right now. It, it just keep walking, and if you're in a safe neighborhood, we're we're, we're in great shape. This is live. Yeah, that would this give is a clue, live though. action. Are you in a safe neighborhood or not a safe neighborhood? <laughs> well, I'm in a safe neighborhood, and I've got enough light here that we can pull this off if I have to. Oh, yeah, we can we can see. That we can see good. good there now, where there's where there's more light. So, hey, okay. if you were I'll, home, I'll you're just, in studio with I'll us. I'll just do this. We we always good. tease. Um, we always say, hey, we're coming to you from a studio in an undisclosed location in Provo for our safety. You always tell them that. So we'll, you will also be from an undisclosed location. This week, I'm in a disclosed location because I'm far away that nobody can bother me. I'm in Hawaii sitting looking out at the waves at Turtle Bay while we do the show today. Oh, good for you. That's where I should be. Actually, I was there last week. We were out. Um, we were on, on the island for the funeral and then and then later for recruiting. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, I just drove I drove by Kahuku High School this afternoon and I and we, we kind of went through all those great players. Then we started to talk about St. Louis High School and Punahou and thinking about how many great players um, have come to Utah and BYU and Utah State from from these islands over here. It's really been remarkable how much talent has, has come from from Polynesia and from Hawaii in, in particular. Yeah, no doubt. There's uh there there are so many good players out there and Really, it was such a, a stopping ground for all the players coming from, you know, Tonga and Samoa and 
all the islands and then they would stop there for a little bit um and and they just they were the beneficiaries of such great talent you know stopping through there so if you had to describe uh, the last two months of your life by a type of storm uh, would it be a tornado a hurricane (laughs) or a blizzard oh geez all of them combined (laughs) a typhoon throw typhoon in there Uh, it's been crazy you know just trying to get used to what we do here at BYU and um, trying to get the recruits, you know, get, get on the recruiting path. And then you're trying to learn the team that you currently have. And we went to, uh, you know, we went to the bowl game and then there was a dead period that you're still trying to figure out who your players are, but you're not around them and figure out who the recruits are, but you're not around them. And, and then it went back live again. And it was crazy just how busy we've been the last week and a half or so, but, you know, that's coaching. That's this time of year. Um, and, and you know, it's what we sign up for. It's what we love. Before you came on, Coach, we were, we were talking about how it just feels like this is such a great fit. I mean, for, for those of us on the BYU side, um, you just look at it and we all go, yeah, Jay just feels like he should have been here all along. This is a perfect fit for him. Um, I don't know if it feels like that to you already, but I'm, I'm wondering what you've been most impressed with in your short time at BYU? Uh, resources are outstanding. Uh, administration, I've been very happy with them. Kalani's outstanding. Part of the, I mean, probably the biggest reason why I took this job is just my relationship with Kalani and our ability to come in here and do it the way that I, I really feel that will bring us success in recruiting and how we coach. Um, yeah, th- there's so much. The fans, the fans are crazy, and and in a good sense. Uh, you know, we go through the airport recruiting the other day, and it's like you get swarmed. And and I go, I go to a high school basketball games recruiting, and the little kids just come up to you left and right, and they want to shake your hand. They know who you are. Their parents have educated them on what's going on. And anyway, bottom line, um, the fans are outstanding. Uh, Lavelle Edwards Stadium is something we have to offer. I've been super excited taking recruits through there and just what it looks like. Uh, bottom line, I've always known the institution had a lot to offer, and the the more in it I am, the more excited I get. Let's talk about, before we get to your staff, and hey, first of all, when's this game start so we have you in there on time? No, yeah, I'll be there. Don't don't worry about me. I'll get there. <laughs> okay. Okay. We will, If you got a hard stop, you let us know when you got to go. We'll let you go. <laughs> no. Uh, before we get to the guys you've brought in, let's talk about Sarah, uh, your CEO of, of, of your life. And she's been a fighter and have fought through so much. Uh, you left your comfort zone at Weber State to come take on this new challenge. How much uh, of, of her and her influence on you uh, is there to get you to just get out of your comfort zone and take this on? Well, she's amazing. And you, you mentioned her. She's a fighter. Uh, she's so tough. Uh, but the hardest thing about this transition was probably her because she loved those players up there at Weber state so much. And, um, she put, she puts her whole heart and soul into everything she does. And, and she did it into Weber state and those players. And and that's been a hard transition for her. Not, not that she's not super excited about BYU because she is, but leaving behind those players that she was so close to was very difficult. Um, and, you know, it was for me, too. 
it, that's just that's the nature, unfortunately, of the business that you leave one. And, and now we get to inherit another 120 guys that will be like family to us. Uh, the, the fun part is now is getting to know them and and she'll do a fabulous job with them as well. One of the things, Jay, that um, not a lot of people know, the word starting to get out. But when you and I talked when you first came down, I think maybe the first day or second day you were down at practice, um, was the fact that you grew up in Lehigh and you actually grew up in a BYU house where you were a BYU guy. Because I think if everybody just thinks, well, Jay Hill, he's got such a long history at Utah. He, um, you know, he's a Utah guy. But it all started out at BYU. It seems right for you to come home where you where you grew up in that type of a household. I did. I, I grew up in Lehigh. My parents went to BYU. Um, I remember growing up, my dad was a seminary teacher. And so, you know, he still had benefits of my mom going to school at BYU and we'd get tickets to the games and things like that. And uh, I remember going to BYU football games. And what I most remember is the Marriott Center and the basketball games, because I don't, I don't know why we, we just seemed to go to those more than, even than the football games. But it was fun the other day. We went back to the Gonzaga game against BYU in the Marriott Center, and that atmosphere was just unbelievably good. And it was fun to be back in there. I'll bet it had been 30 years since I'd been to a game, maybe more. Wow. Coach, why was Sione Puhua such an important hire for your defensive line? Well, I think he does as good a job coaching those guys as anybody. Uh, he's got a strong presence just with the way he looks and who he is and um, the way he talks. The He just demands respect. Uh, he does the same when you're, when you're out recruiting with him. The, the kids absolutely love him because he relates well to them. But he also knows how to push them. Um, like I say, uh, when he walks in a room, he looks like a big time NFL guy still. And uh, he just demands that respect and he has that strong presence. Um, he's a phenomenal recruiter. I got to see him as a player when I was a young coach. I got to coach him and um, I just I've loved him ever since. And uh, his repu reputation precedes him. And, and for good reason, he's been outstanding since we hired him. And I'm sure he's part of this, but you picked up a couple of kids in the portal. They're going to help that D line that he's going to be um, charged with with coaching up. Uh, Jackson Cravens, Isaiah uh, Bagna, both from Boise State. Um, how will they fit in? And is this a is this a really important area that you guys feel like you need to build that defensive line? We do. We got to bolster that D line. You know, I, I really believe good defense always starts with stopping the run. And if you don't have enough guys up front that can do it, then you better go out and find more. And so th those were two real critical uh, takes at mid-year. They're on campus. They look really good right now. They've been in a tough program. I, I, uh, I trust and respect the way that the Boise State coaches do things. Uh, quite frankly, um, not every guy that comes out of the portal is ready to go and will make an impact. But I like the Boise State guys. I like the way they've been coached. And I think they'll fit the culture well of what we're trying to do. Hey, my, my favorite thing, Jay, is, is that Jackson's Kyle's nephew, Kyle Whittingham's nephew. So, so <laughs> Yeah, how about that? <laughs> I know, it's amazing. So so Julie, Kyle's, if people don't know the connection, Julie, Kyle's um, younger sister um, is Jackson Craven's mom. And, yep. uh, you know, Julie grew up in a BYU house, too. I lived at that house. I lived with Kyle and Carrie and those guys. And Julie was running around as a 10-year-old when we were there. And so I couldn't be more pleased that Kyle's nephew is coming to work with you guys at BYU. That's kind of fun, that connection. 
It is fun. And it was fun for me to see Julie in the office um, back when we were recruiting Jackson and, um, and, and Jackson's dad. I mean, bo- bottom line, it's a great family to have part of the program. And, you know, the Whittingham family is so special to both programs, not just, not just BYU, obviously to Utah as well. And, and they are a super special family and always will be in the, in the state of Utah as far as football goes. BYU defensive coordinator Jay Hills on the Wise Guys tonight around the world, live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and wiseguys.com. Former Cougar Justin Enna is your linebacker's coach. He inherits Ben Bywater and Max Tooley. How can Enna make them and the others better? Well, Justin brings another. He's, a, he's another strong presence. Uh, was a great player. Uh, himself. Uh, I, I was able to work with him at Weber State. He was actually my first defensive coordinator when I took the job at Weber State and fired up for Justin because we've worked together. I know his toughness. I know his discipline. He's another guy that you take into a room recruiting and he kind of lights it up, does a great job in recruiting, always was very detailed. And uh, bottom line, I love uh, his presence, I love what he adds. He's another hammer on the defense. He will demand respect, and he'll demand that the players do it the right way. Um, anyway, bottom line, um, he, he's going to add a lot to this defense and what we're trying to accomplish. Hey, Coach, you got former Cougar Kelly Papinga also on the staff that's going to coach special teams and the edge rushers. I know you don't, haven't – I don't think you've coached directly with Kelly in the past, but he comes directly from that Boise State program. You just talked about how well they do – getting kids ready what what does Justin or what does Kelly Papinga bring um, to the table on this defensive staff for you well Kelly was more about what he did at BYU and again he was a great player but uh, what who he coached and what he represent represented in recruiting and at that time I was still at Utah recruiting against him and you know coaching against him and his, his players were just always so prepared so ready to go uh, you know, in the last 10 years, he's maybe recruit, or recruited and coached the best players, you know, in BYU's defense the last 10 years, the the Taki Takis, the Van Oys, the Fred Warners. I mean, those guys were Kelly Papinga recruits and guys he coached. So, I mean, just getting him and his presence back here at BYU was huge. In the secondary, you have the safeties, and Gennaro Guilford has the corners. Guilford retained from that defensive group as you've kind of put everyone back together. Uh, what do you think's allowed Gennaro to be so successful, both as a recruiter and as a coach back there? Well, it, again, I keep I keep mentioning presence, but I think it's an important word with football coaches is that when they walk in a room, they demand the respect that um, that's required to get the most out of these players and. Again, he was a great player. He does a good job communicating techniques and schemes. Uh, I remember early on in, in my career as a head coach, I went against his secondaries when he was at Southern Utah, and he was putting out NFL guys at Southern Utah. And if you look at, I believe, one of the strengths last year in the last couple of years of BYU's defense was actually the secondary. And I don't know that people have always thought BYU defense in terms of that, but at least the last little bit they have. And I think Gennaro's done a good job of recruiting the right guys and staying on top of his guys the way it's required to have success. And, um, you know, all those reasons were the big reasons why we wanted to keep him and, and why he's with us. And we're, we're not going to ask Jay to comment because uh, we know that's a weird, it's weird for me to ask this, but I am going to say this so people know. I'm excited that my youngest son gets to work with Jay 
with the secondary. And he's so excited to learn from Jay. Like he's like, I'm telling him he's got the greatest job in the world. He, he'll leave at seven in the morning, come home at 11 at night. And he's so ready to go back because he's so excited to get a chance to work with these guys. So I, I'm just going to leave it at this. Jay. I appreciate you taking him under your wing and taking care of my guy, Gavin. Heck yeah. Gavin's doing a great job. And you know, the crazy thing is we still have yet to do much with those guys because we've been out on the road recruiting or we were in that dead period. And um, anyway, bottom line, I'm super excited. We get back in the office next week and it will be, we'll be uh, just going as hard as we can trying to get this defense ready. And he'll be right next to me all, all along the way. So I'm, I'm excited about him. Well, he, he had a free pass to come to Hawaii with me this week, and he turned us down, turned the whole family down because he said he had to be in the office and, and, and needed to grind. I, so I respect him for doing that. That's for sure. So Well, his time will come where he gets to take those vacations. I remember being a young coach, too, having to do the same thing. So that's, that's part of the process. Yeah. Hey, spring practice just six weeks away, Coach, and, and a chance for you to really roll up your sleeves and, and, and dig in with this defense. For you, what will constitute – a good spring for the defense? Uh, fundamentals and technique. I believe it's all about that. You know, if we can become better tacklers, if we can learn to get off the ball better as defenders, use our hands better in the D line, you know, play with pad level a little bit better. Obviously we got to learn the scheme. You know, you can't go out there and function if you're just making a bunch of mistakes, but I would say it starts with fundamentals and techniques. And then uh, the better we can get at the scheme in the spring, the better off we'll be in the fall. Um, it will give us a better starting point when we get to fall camp. Defensive coordinator and assistant head coach Jay Hill on the wise guys. Now we can see your breath. So let us know when hypothermia sets in. Ah, I know just... that's weird. Uh, I feel bad that we're doing it like this. I guess it's kind of cool. It's a different setting. Than probably oh yeah. Most it's perfect for us. <laughs> Absolutely. You're the first we've ever had like just, outdoors. Like you, that's awesome. We don't want you to get the flu or anything. Uh, no, I'm not. If, if I do, then that's my own stupidity. So <laughs> We just have a few more questions for you. We're still waiting for the Big 12 schedule. It sounds like next Tuesday is what is being kicked around. Um, what will you be looking for when that schedule is finally released? Mm, honestly, not. I mean, I, I don't <laughs> – I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll get on obviously scouting the first opponent or two in that deal and and taking a peek at the top teams in the conference and, and you know what they're all about offensively. But the the reality is, I don't think that that's going to change much the process that we do. We got to have a great spring ball. We got to get the defense installed. We got to have a great summer of conditioning and getting the players to the best shape that they can be in. Uh, I don't know that the release of the schedule is going to impact too much what we do. We have a pretty specific process in place that we do. This this league, Jay, is uh, is an interesting league. Sometimes I wonder if they even care about defense in that league. There are a couple of teams <laughs> in play, but but it's just like you look at the scores every week, and it's like, really, you just won seventy seven to sixty four, like crazy. Is that a basketball game? So so knowing what you you know about that league and the way they love offense. What, what, what's the key for this defense? What are the things that are going to ground you and, and make you guys um, one of the best defenses in that league? Well, expectations. You know, I, I know one thing. I ain't going into the game being content with giving up 45 points a game or whatever some of those defenses do. That I mean, that we got to raise the level of expectation no matter who we play. Uh, that will be a big deal. And then, you know, we, like I say, we want to go in fundamentally better than the other teams. And, and I really believe in our scheme. Uh, it's time tested. It's proven at every level. And so I know the scheme will work. 
we just got to make sure we put the players in the best position possible and make sure we do a good job of fundamentals and technique. Speaking of players, one of your All-Americans up at Weber State has followed you here. He's in school and settling in, talking about defensive back Eddie Heckard. What does he bring to that group? Well, you know, I love Eddie, and, and I've been with him for a long time. He brings toughness, tenacity, work ethic. He, he, was, he was one of those players that had an opportunity to go to the NFL last year and thought by sticking around one more year could uh, improve his draft status. But he's got to come in and earn it. And I've told him, you're coming into a different program. And just because I coached you at Weber State, you got to earn it. You got to earn your starting spot. You got to earn your playing time. You got to earn the things that he feels he needs to be able to have a shot at the NFL. But it can't be given to him. And there can be no, um, you know, favoritism or anything like that because uh, I coached him before. The only thing he's got above maybe some of the other guys is that he's played in the defense and played in something similar. And so, you know, does he have some advantages coming in? Maybe. Uh, I know what he's all about. I know how he reacts to adversity. I know how uh, the harder the game, the bigger the game, the better he plays. And that's a hallmark of all great players. Well, we, we've heard a lot of stories, and we've talked about a bunch of them on this show and others that we host, about Kalani closing the deal on recruits. We know he's a great recruiter, and there's all these great stories about, well, he closed the deal by doing this or doing that. So, so Dave and I were wondering – how did he close the deal on you to get you to come and leave that head job there and come to BYU? What was the deal? Oh, you know what? There, there was so much that went into it. I don't, I don't know what it was. Uh, it just felt like the last year that my time at Weaver state was coming to a close. And I liked Kalani's sales pitch. Obviously he did a phenomenal job of trying to convince me on what we can build at BYU and, the the assets that BYU has to help us win going into the Big 12 was a huge deal but as much as anything is just getting back with you know Aaron Roderick on the other side of the ball was a huge selling point Fessy Satake and Steve Clark being there who I've coached with before was a huge selling point and then Kalani giving me free reign to go out and hire who I wanted to on defense and you know he he was in a, a total agreement with who we hired but that uh, autonomy that I had to go hire these guys and get the ones we wanted at BYU and, and get the best fit was huge. And, you know, again, Kalani is a salesman and he did a great job with it, but I'm excited to work with him and I'm excited about where the program can get with, you know, him at the helm and us going in the big 12. I think that that's a huge deal. We've got five quick questions for you, but before we get to that, so how did the first phone call go? Kalani calls you up. Uh, and you know, what, what happens to, how does the words, Hey, are you ready to come down here? Come out. Basically what you just said. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think he said basically that, you know, we want you down here. We think it can be a great deal. He said, I don't care if you turn me down five times, I'm going to keep calling you. So, <laughs> um, he was persistent. Um, but he, he didn't have to oversell. He knew, I knew what BYU was all about. He knew. I knew what he's all about. And again, with Aaron Roderick and, and the other guys so involved in this program, I was excited to join him. And there wasn't a lot of selling that had to be done. He, he did a good job of just pointing out the positives and, and you know, trying, trying together, trying to build this thing the way we know it can be. That's great. All well, right, we've, got, we've got five quick questions for you. We do these with, with every guest. Just so everybody gets to know him a little bit better. So you're not supposed to think about him. You're supposed to answer him. Whatever comes to the top okay. of your head. Okay. First one, your favorite sports movie. 
Mm. Oh, probably like Michael Jordan, come fly with me. Something like that way back then. Nice. Uh, he goes old school. That is old yeah. school. Come fly Favorite with me. singer or band? Mm. Good one. Oh, I'm not much of a music guy. I would say like... Uh, What's Sarah's? Let's go with Sarah's favorite. If you if you favorite. don't favorite, I don't even know what I should know her favorite too. <laughs> are, you, are you like a country family? Are you a hip hop family? Are you? You a, know what? I, that's what that's my problem is I listen to everything from reggae to rock to country to everything. I would say something like old rock, like a Creedence Clearwater Revival or Dire Straits or something like that. Nice. No shame in it. that. No shame in that. That's awesome. Hey, you know who used to like Dire Straits, which surprised the heck out of me. Lavelle Edwards. Oh, really? Yeah, I was in his office and he was listening to that one, like, uh, look at them yo yo's, that's the way. And he was listening to that, I'm like, oh, geez. are you listening to that's Dire awesome. Straits? He's like, he's like, yeah, I like Dire Straits. Willie Nelson and Dire Straits for Coach Lavelle. That's cool. So I like Lavelle even more now. Yeah. I mean, is that, hey, the fact that you like the same band that Lavelle did, that says something too. That's pretty awesome. So, um, favorite breakfast cereal? Mm, like granola for the love oh, did you just man, say granola healthy? we got a bad connection because i think you said granola i thought he said granola i said granola i think he said granola maybe so now, do, now we know he's lying do you spice it up or do you just take it straight <laughs> he, no he just I threw the healthy one out at us when he knows he likes fruit loops i swear the dilemma is i don't eat cereal so oh okay okay Okay, your favorite Kalani Satake moment that you guys have had. It doesn't have to be in football, but any moment you've had with Kalani that you think back and go, that 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 is my favorite or one of my favorites ever with Kalani. Well, it, it would have to be probably the Sugar Bowl um, back in 2008. Um, and I, I think that was with that entire staff. That was such an unbelievable moment. And to share that together with him and A-Rod and those guys, that, I would say that's probably the best. People might disagree with me. I think it's the best team utah's ever put on the field that was i think they could have been anybody that year anybody um, so we were really good at the end of the year we were playing as good as anybody for sure yep and the last one um your favorite piece of advice from your daughter ashton who dave and i worked with a bunch when she was down as a student working with us at byu tv we <laughs> love her we want to know what the favorite piece of advice she gave you when you took the job at byu having been a byu veteran herself you know, I don't know if she gave me any advice other than she just, hmm, I don't, I don't know if it's advice. Um, I know she, uh, well, you know what? She went all into BYU and for her to switch from such a huge Utah fan to BYU and yeah. her going all in, I guess that was, I don't know if it's advice, but it at least showed me that we could do the same. And so I'll, I guess I'll say that just her example would be her advice. He's great. She sat right next to Dave and I all basketball season, making sure we did the right things as our as our floor director during basketball season for all those games. We loved working with her. Well, She's on, on occasion, would say nice things about you in our BYU broadcast. <laughs> we were helping with the recruiting process all those years ago. Yes, for sure. So well, she's she's pretty amazing. So yeah. Hey, coach. Now well, we we're, know we're we're thrilled to have you and your whole family um, part of the BYU family. It's. Um, and that's the way it is when, when you come down, you know, how it is Jay, wherever you go, the whole family comes with you. And we're, yeah. we're, we're glad to just be another 
another group that, that welcomes you on and tells you we're thrilled to have you here. Well, we're, th- we're thrilled to be here. Now we got to bring the success that everyone's expecting, and I, I look forward to that. So, Hey, now we know that when your defense comes out all agitated and aggressive and tearing the other team apart, it's because you had granola for breakfast that morning. <laughs> granola and Red Bull. And granola Red Bull. and Red Bull. There you Bull. go. <laughs> Coach, safe travels wherever you are, as, and we look forward to seeing you back here in Provo. Thanks for joining the show and spring uh, camp just around the corner, and, and we're all excited about it. And uh, appreciate, yeah. uh, appreciate you. Thanks, Thanks, I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Now go warm Bye. up. Okay, we'll do. All right. There's Jay Hill just somewhere. In a, I don't even know if we can. I don't even know if he's in America. He's somewhere. Well, he but says it was he's cold enough where he, he can't see. It. it was cold enough where you could see his breath, and yet he answered every one of our questions uh, under the streetlight, and uh, yeah, that's how he rolls. That's hey. There's never been a question about Jay's commitment to anything, right? He, he's about being committed and and being and being passionate and. He knew he was going to have to find a different place. The truck wasn't working. He's out contri- contri- uh, recruiting. He had committed to come on with us, so he just found a quiet spot in the cold outdoors under a light someplace and just spent a half an hour with us. What yeah, What more do we need to say about Jay Hill? That was pretty awesome. That's the kind of guy you can count on in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Absolutely. He's not going to turn it over in crunch time. Tell you that right now. Next week on Wise Guys, Lauren Gustin and Nani Falatea will join the show. They'll be here in person. Gustin leads the country in rebounding. Nani's game's coming on. The team has won seven of their last eight games. And Gordon Eakin, one of the winningest coaches on campus, the softball coach, they're getting ready for their season. He'll be in with us as well. So that's next week. A bit later tonight. Uh, Trent Pratt, the head baseball coach for BYU, despite the snow and the cold over here, Blaine, uh, it's baseball season. They're indoors, but practice has officially begun uh, for the boys of summer, even though they don't play in the summer because they're in college, and instead they play often in cold conditions at Miller Park. Well, and what BYU does, which is, you know, they've got the the indoor practice facility and uh, the IPF, and they, they can go and hit and do some things in there. It's not not the best, but they always schedule the early part of their schedule to go take a road trip someplace down south. Um, hey, they've even done an early road trip to Mexico before uh, to get where the weather's warm and be able to get you know get some at bats in and and play a little warm. And then hopefully by the time they come back up, gets a little later in the spring, um, things are thawing out. And that baseball field is built to be able to thaw the snow off. Yeah, and play. It's a phenomenal facility. You know, I'm thinking uh, about that Jay Hill interview uh, just before we kick back into basketball um, while we get ready for Coach Pratt. Uh, the guys he hired, they're all aggressive defenders. And and when we talk about BYU's defense needing to be, you know, fans have wanted a more aggressive defense. Get after the quarterback. Be better at stopping the run. Um, it just seems like... He's just nailed it in all those spots. And, of course, keeping uh, Gennaro uh, on staff is was was a top priority. That's a good staff. Yeah, and, and, and it sounds like um, he's also thrilled about who's over on that offensive side. And, and you got to play complementary ball. So your, your defense has to understand what your offensive skills are and what they need to do to complement them and vice versa. And, you know, he – you remember every time we talked to him about his defensive staff, he immediately said, I love having Aaron Roderick, Fessy Sataki, and Steve Clark over on that offensive side. I've worked with all of those guys in the past. 
So there's going to be a lot of trust there, and that's important. That chemistry and trust between the offense and defense is a must. If you're going to be in a big-time conference like the Big 12, you got to have that. So that was really nice to hear that from Jay. Let's take a moment and get everyone up to speed on what's going on on campus as the coach has just walked in, and we'll sit down with him in a few minutes. Uh, final thought. Anyway, start, are we going to start with a new Big 12 poll? Yeah, because I was thinking that SM uh, St. Mary's is now in the top 25. We mentioned a moment ago at, at 22, which is nothing compared to <laughs> where the, basically the entire Big 12 is in the new AP Top 25. Yeah, it's crazy. It, so this is the, like, we talk about football. We're going to talk about baseball in just a minute with Trent, right? Yeah. Um, but how about this league in basketball? Is there any bigger jump than to go from anywhere into this league? Um, so right now in the top 25, Houston is number three. Kansas State is number five. Kansas is number nine. Texas is number 10. TCU is number 11. Iowa State is number 12. And Baylor is 17. And this is a bad year for Baylor, by the way. That's At 17, it's a really off year for Baylor. They're, they're, re, they're reloading this year. So where's BYU going to fit in all that? Not close to any of those right now. They've got <laughs> some pieces they've got. There's some things they need to find in the transfer portal. These returning, the freshmen that came back from their missions this year are going to grow up a lot in this offseason. Um, some of the transfers that came in this year that are young are going to grow up a lot this year. Um, but they got a couple more pieces they need to add to compete in that league, I can tell you right now. And and the, and the players that are currently on this team that are youngins are going to have to grow up and really improve over the next year. I'm most confident that that trio of freshmen that, right off missions are going to be night and day better next year. And, and, and Dallin Hall's pretty solid right now. And Richie Saunders pretty solid right now, but, but you watch how much they get better between now and next year. That's hard to come right off of a mission and immediately play. It really is. Women's hoops. They're 11 and nine. They were four and six. They've won seven of their last eight games. They're six and three in the WCC. Santa Clara beat them 69 to 59. They came in shooting hot on Saturday. 47% from the three-point line. Lauren Gustin held to 15 points and 14 rebounds. Then on Thursday, she had 27 points and 19 rebounds. And uh, Nani Falatea had 23 points as they beat San Francisco. We mentioned Gustin and Falatea will be here next week. Uh, Lauren's rebounding update, 101 rebounds in the last five games. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's crazy good. <laughs> that's crazy. She, she is so fun to watch, Dave. It's just... It's just... If, if, if you haven't watched a, a women's game, just tune in or go over to Marriott Center just to watch Lauren Gustin. Just gobble up every rebound on the, on the floor. She's really, really fun to watch. And, and becoming quite a one-two punch with her and Nani Faltea. Yeah. Um, and, and remember, um, Amber signed one of the top recruiting classes in the country uh, for next year. So, so uh, nothing but up for this. I, I feel like this is a little bit... They started out slow, but they're on fire now, and it's interesting. You know, the football team, we had some expectations. They went out and won some games we didn't expect them to win, and then the bar was really high, and then when they ended up with eight wins, we acted like we were all upset, right? Yeah. The, the women's hoops team did a little bit better job. They went out and lowered the bar by not playing really well early, and now they're winning like crazy, so we feel like they're way overachieving. That's a better way to do it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We look forward to having the stars in here next week. So, Gonzaga. So, hey, how about a WCC update on the women's side? Gonzaga's in first place. They're nine and zero. Always good. 
Um, Jen does a great job up there. Portland is the second at eight and one. We knew Portland was going to be good. A lot of talent returning. BYU's in third at six and three. And uh, up next, BYU's at St. Mary's. The men host St. Mary's. Um, BYU's at St. Mary's Thursday, WCC Network. Um, BYU's at Pacific Saturday, uh, also on the WCC Network. And their next home games, um, Pepperdine at BYU on Thursday, February 9th at 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain. That one's going to be on BYU TV. Men's volleyball, 4-0. They swept fairly Dickinson on consecutive nights. During Saturday's match, freshman Jared Brady made his Cougar debut and delivered three of BYU's final four points in the third set, including match points. So nice job for the youngster out of Las Vegas and former member of my T-ball and Little League teams. Yeah, we, we, you and I both have a vested rooting interest just because <laughs> of the connections to the Brady family, and, and you, had, you coached him growing up so he got better for for jared he got to better coaches which was the key to his development next home game the byu is on the road at irvine wednesday and friday of this week first time out of the field house for the cougars and then they're back against uh santa barbara friday february 10th at nine eastern seven mountain on byu tv that's the next time you can see him in the field house and and uh this byu gymnastics team they defeated boise state on friday um, up next, BYU is at Utah State. That's Friday, January 27th. The next home meet will be Southern Utah BYU on Friday, February 10th. Um, that one's going to be on BYU TV. It's 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain Time on BYU TV for the gymnastics team. Baseball, the Cougars are going to play 13 of their first 16 on the road. Practice is underway. Season openers February 17th at Louisiana Tech. The first pitch fundraising dinner is Friday night. Danny Ainge headlining the event. For information on tickets, go to sportscamps at byu.edu. Again, Coach Pratt's going to join us in like four minutes. Uh, but they got Ainge. Ainge was with us, and now he's with them. Uh, I wonder if he's going to tell baseball stories or, uh, or basketball stories. Well, he can, we found out when we had him on for an hour last week, he can do it, whatever you want him to do because he's got a great history in both. When, when you got a guy that was an All-American in football, baseball, and basketball out of high school and then played professional baseball at the same time as he was becoming the National Player of the Year in basketball, um, played for the Toronto Blue Jays and for the Celtics, won world championships, he can cover any topic you want him to cover at that at that fundraiser. So that'll, that'll be, be fun for everybody. That'll be a great event. If there's any tickets left, you should uh, jump on there and, and grab them, help support the baseball team and, and listen to Danny Ainge. Now, you don't get the chance to listen to Danny Ainge uh, very often. Um, we have the privilege of rubbing shoulders with him quite often, but, but uh, if everyone could sit down with him for a half hour, they would be better off uh, because he's fascinating. And we, we had a great visit with him on the show. If, and hey, don't forget all of you out there um, uh, that, you know, if you, if you missed the Danny Ainge uh, interview with us, you go find it wherever you find your normal podcasts. Um, YSGuys.com has it archived there too. And, uh, and go give it a listen. It was, it was fantastic to have Danny on with us and to have him give that much time to us. Really, really fun. And we had uh, an hour with Jimmer before that and Ty yep, Detmer. Before that. Uh, they're all right there for, for everyone to, to listen to. We had to get all those big shots so that um, Coach Pratt would come over and hang out with us. Exactly. He's like, who have you had? And we're like, <laughs> well, in the last two weeks we had Jimmer, 
and we had Danny Ainge and we had Brian Santiago. He's like, okay, I think I can come now yeah. onto the show. We so, got him here. I don't know if he can hear me there in the studio saying that, but <laughs> he can, um, but he will hear in just a sec. Ah, uh, okay. Hey, softball, Road Warriors. Um, uh, BYU starts the season with 17 road games, including eight P5 opponents. What? They begin on February 9th in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Dates against North Carolina, Wisconsin, Maryland. So a tournament we talked about. Sometimes the baseball team does that. Their home opener is Utah BYU on March 15th. Um, head coach Gordon Eakin, he's going to be on Wise Guys with us next week, right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, Zavodnik. Zavodnik's like the best player in the country uh, on that team. And uh, we'll see if we can get her on the show before things get going. But but uh, she is fun to watch at the plate and plays defense out there in the field. And and one of the maybe, maybe the best softball player in the history of of the program over there, Violet Savodnik. So we'll uh, we'll check in on that. But yes, Gordon Eakin will be with us next week in November or in November in February. I'm thinking about football. Uh, Mark Comer is going to be with us from the Royal Blue Collective. Doctor Dewey Gray has booked us for a night uh, in February, and we'll also have the other three new coaches on with us too. Let's bring the coach over. Um, our guest here in studio tonight is getting ready for his first opening day as BYU's head baseball coach. He took over the job midseason last year for Mike Littlewood, was later named the head coach. This is the second time on the Wise Guys, first time in studio, which tells you the season is getting close. Practice is underway. Pleasure to welcome Trent Pratt to the Wise Guys in a Danny Ainge Blue Jays jersey. Was that uh, – did you think that through or did you just grab a Toronto jersey to come over? No, it has Ainge on the back. Um, We were over in – over in my office earlier, I was I was hitting with my boy, and I saw him like, man, I might as well put this thing on. So <laughs> we got Danny coming. You guys had him on last week or the week before, and so it's a sweet looking jersey. Anyways, these baby blues are pretty cool. When you think we're, we're excited, Trent, we were we were just we were teasing. You came on with us um, earlier, and you promised before the season you'd come back on with us um, and come into studio. But we were teasing. We were saying. Yeah, Trent said to us, well, who's been on lately? And we said, well, we had Danny Ainge last week, Jimmer Fredette the week before, and and that you said, okay, I guess if we had those guys, I'll come into studio now. <laughs> Tough acts to follow with those guys. When you think of what Danny Ainge did as a student, playing the summers in the major leagues and then coming back and being a star on the basketball team as a, as a former athlete yourself and, and now surrounded by young athletes, is that even possible I mean, that, that's phenomenal. No, I don't think it's possible anymore. I just, I mean, we were talking about in our office the other day, he came and signed some stuff for us for the dinner, and we were just thinking, just talking about it, and there's no way someone could do that anymore. I mean, he played just a couple months of baseball in the summer. You know, was the Naismith Player of the Year, and, and to be in, not just play professional baseball, but be in the big leagues and play. Um, no, I don't think anyone else can do that again. No. Um, he was the last one. His first probably and last. First and last. Are there – are there um, Seats still available for the for the event, or are we yeah, all sold out? Yeah, there's a couple. Um, it, it's pretty close to sold out, but if you want to get on and check it out, um, there's a couple we could still sell. But, man, it's been obviously with Danny speaking and, you know, had not having it for a couple of years, it, it filled up pretty quick. Yeah, it's a great event, uh, and, and it allows, uh, you know, fundraising is going on all the time. This is a big one, though, for the program. Yeah, it's great. It's been good for us in the past, and we're excited that, you know, COVID's kind of – finally gone and we can get this back and the big thing it's just great to meet like people that really support our program and and thank them and and get a chance to have them see our players and meet them and talk about the team and there's a lot of former players that come back so that's that's the cool thing is to have those guys back and and let them know that 
man, they're still part of this baseball family and, and we love to see them. That's a cool, a cool event. We're excited and hope that's a huge success for you. Hey, when you, when you look behind you, I'm looking at you guys here. I see all those big 12 logos up on the wall behind you too. Yeah. Um, and, and you've already seen next year's schedule at the conference schedule. At least that's what Brian Santiago told us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's your first as a P five. Um, what you don't have to tell us specifics because it hasn't been released, but what do you think of it? Um, and does it take anything away from the final run through the WCC this year, a league you've coached in since 2013? We're trying not to look too far ahead. But, yeah, I saw the schedule, and, I mean, you see those teams on the wall. If you're playing those teams, it's the best schedule we've played yeah. um, since I've been here. So it's exciting um, for our players, for our fans, to have teams like that come to Provo and have our kids a chance to go to some of those venues and play in front of big crowds. It's exciting. Um, and we're going to work hard to keep getting better so we can go in there and, and compete and and do well. But right now, man, we want to finish strong in the WCC and we feel like we have a team with some older guys experience that, you know, we can go make a run this year. Isn't it interesting that as you put a schedule together, you try to get these schools up here on the wall. They don't want to come out here. Uh, and, and when you've played them, you've had to go there for the most part, but now they're all coming, whether it's this season or next season, they'll all be at your place. They don't even have a choice. They just, they just get to come and, and it's gotta be such a, a, a strange feeling for, for a coach putting them together. Cause now you don't have to go get them. The league's going to send them to you. Yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome for our players. It's great for our fans. We we're supposed to have Oklahoma state last year yeah. and then, you know, our, our spring weather gets us and. We have to relocate the game and play in Ranger Stadium, which which was great. But we'd have much rather play those guys at home. And and Coach Holiday was like he wasn't re- like he would have loved to come too. He goes, I think it's awesome for our kids to go different places. And all of our kids have seen your park on you know on on Instagram or social media, and, and what a beautiful place it is. So, I mean, I'm sure these people when they get there, they'll like everyone. They come there and they're in awe of, of our our facilities yeah. and the backdrop, and it's an amazing place to play. How has uh, uh- and again, you see these names up on the wall here in our studio. Um, have you seen a Big 12 bump in recruiting? Yeah, I think so. We've had some kids that, you know, maybe we rec- we recruited in the past that wouldn't give us a call back or weren't super interested. And now there's a lot more interest as far as like, you know, hey, kids calling us back and, and understanding where we're going and, and realizing it's a good place to play. And it's a matter of getting them on our campus and having them meet our kids. Um, when we get kids on campus on recruiting trips and they get a chance to meet our players, man, they're awesome kids. They're, yeah. They play hard and, and they sell it for us. And the school's a special place. We know that it's different than any other place. And just getting those kids on campus, you know, it, it's kind of a deal. It, it seals a deal for us. And Trent, you, you've now had an off season uh, to prepare for really your first full season as BYU's head baseball coach. You took over the reins partway through the season last year. What, what, what have you been doing to get ready uh, as, as you know, you go into your first full season as a head coach at BYU? We've been working hard on the field, off the field, just trying to raise the standard from what we've been doing. Um, coach Little did a great job getting the program where it is and just trying to raise the standard in everything we do. Um, we did a great job in the classroom. Our team got a 3-0 GPA, over 3-0 for the first time in like six or seven years. So we just feel like as we raise our standard all over the place, that's going to raise the standard on the field as well. And – our, we got a great group of kids that older guys are teaching the young guys. We got some talented young guys and it's just exciting to see these guys like work together. And I'm sure we're all ready to get outside and play and wish we we're in Hawaii, Blaine. I feel real bad for <laughs> yeah. you right now. Don't feel bad for um, him, but no, we're, we're excited to get going and, 
and, and, and play somebody else. Sometimes you get sick of looking at the same people all the time playing each other, but we're ready yeah. to see another team on the field. BYU baseball coach Trent Pratt's on the Wise Guys tonight, live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and YSGuys.com. Our new podcast will be up in the morning. Michael Rucker was on with us just before Christmas after his great year with the Cubs. Uh, he's at the moment still the only Cougar on a 40-man roster. Is that going to change with the guys you sent into Major League Baseball after last season? We hope so soon. We have also have you know Daniel Seaman and Jackson Clough that are still playing yeah, in Double A right. and yeah, that group we sent out last year, those guys, all those guys have a chance to make a run, and those guys in Mount will be hard to replace, but we feel like we have some guys there that can do it. And speaking of Rucker, he's, he'll be at the dinner Friday. So oh, good. It's excited to have him back. And nice. Have, have, have oh, Trent, to see I don't know if you got to hear it. He, he talked us through the uh, his mindset coming out of the bullpen when he stepped into Yankee Stadium with Aaron Judge at the plate and bases loaded um, and how he got, you know, got him out of the inning and what his mindset, it was, it was fascinating to listen um, to how he approached that really, really a treat for us. And uh, how is, how important is it for, for, you know, we, there's a bunch of guys, Andrew Pintar, Cy Nielsen, Nate, Nate Dahl, Cooper McKeon, uh, Ryan Brady, Mitch McIntyre. Th- these guys are all trying to make their way up, up through, how important is it to the program to have guys visible like Michael Rucker and, and succeeding in the, in the major leagues? It's awesome. It, it goes to show that you come to BYU, you can develop as a player and, and fulfill your dreams. Um, I feel like that's one thing we've done a good job in the last 10 years is, is developing players. We might not always get, you know, the big five-star recruit, you know, and all those people that some of these other schools do, but we get the right people and, and we do a good job to develop them and, and turn them and, they work hard. A lot of it's what they do, but we give them the opportunity to get better and know that if they come here, you're going to have a chance to play at the next level. It seems like it's priceless because you've got to convince kids that it's okay to come to a cold climate <laughs> and you can still get to the show. Yeah. Um, it's about how you work and what you do, and and those kids can do it. I mean, BYU's not the only cold weather school that produces players, so um, that shouldn't be a factor with the weather. Last year, you guys finished the season 33 and 21, um, 16-9 under, under your watch. Um, Dave and I talked a lot about the fact that you won nine of the last 10 regular season games to qualify for the WCC conference tournament. So you guys really went on a roll at the end of the season. How much? I know you lost some players, but how much does that winning momentum to finish the regular season last year help as you launch into this season? It helps. You look on the position side, we have a lot of those guys back. Um and those are, we played some tight games, and anytime you learn how to win, it's important. And those guys remember that. And also to know that, hey, you're going to go through some struggles and know that it's okay. We'll keep fighting. We're not going to quit. We'll keep fighting, and you can come back from that and, and get on a run and get hot. Um, so it's great for those guys to come back, and they've been through the ringer. They went, we went through some hard times last year, and they were able to battle and, and come out and finish strong and give us a chance you know, to make a run in the tournament. So, man, it's it's good to have that experience and know those guys are back and, and ready to roll. Let's roll through your roster. Let's Spent some time with Duff Tittle today on uh, the prospectus as, uh, as we get into this season. And so Blaine and I'll throw some names at you and, and, uh, and just tell us a, a thing or two about, uh, about them. And let's start, let's start with the pitchers. Um, the bullpen was so strong last year and, and much of the names Blaine just read were from the bullpen who yeah. have left. But uh, let's start with the starters. And, and, and how big is it to have Jack Sterner back? It's huge. I mean, he was our opening night starter last year, and um, he'll have a chance to do that again. And 
just to have a guy with experience to to know that he's done it and been successful in one games and keep him to go deep in games it's great it's it's just comforting as a coach to know you have a guy that's you know been a starter for two years and yeah and he's not nothing's going to phase him he goes out there and competes he works hard and there's nothing he can't do and we expect a lot out of him you know bryce robinson returning and he had a a beautiful seven and one record mm-hmm. last year. What does he bring back? Um, he's a guy that he pounds a strike zone, four pitches for strikes. Um, Bryce started in the bullpen last year, kind of worked his way and started down the stretch. And we expect him to be in the rotation again and and just come out and just do what he's done. Um, he finds ways to win games for us. At the end of the day, that's the most important thing is you want guys on the mound that are winners and and know how, and know how to slam the door when you get a lead. Before we look into the bullpen, Carter Smith. Ben Hansen, Cutter Clausen, are they the guys battling for three and four? Yeah, there's a group of guys there. Carter's been great. Um, I say right now, Carter's probably you know in that mix for like a you know in the top three starters. And, and you know we play that first couple weekends. We'll play like eight games in nine days, and yeah. so we'll need you know we'll need four starters each time. And and those guys are ready to go compete. And you know like they're going to pitch their way into that starting rotation. And we'll see who, who wins that fourth stop. That first, that third and fourth battle. You lost. You lost, as we've already mentioned, and and we we talked about the names from that bullpen, but but three names uh, we're thinking about: Peyton Cole, Carter Foose, and, and Jake Porter, mm-hmm. all bullpen uh, folks that you've got. Um, what can we expect out of those three? Um, all, all kind of similar. Um, they're all kind of like guys that throw fastballs, sinkers down in the zone. Um, Jake Porter's been really good, like eighty nine, ninety two. Sinker slider and, and and Carter Foss and Peyton Cole are kind of similar. Like there's a guys who can get a lot of outs for us, come in and get ground balls and in a jam, you need a ground ball, get a double play. Those guys can all come in and do that. Uh, Mike Littlewood and I had an understanding that whenever Peyton Cole did something good, it was because of his little league coach. That's right. <laughs> and whenever he did something bad, it was because of his college coach. <laughs> he didn't really like that. Uh, speaking of, of, of Mike, but uh but it's fun. I guess if you live long enough, you see these kids grow up into young men. I ran into Peyton on campus the other day, and and uh, you know what? College isn't easy for anybody, and you see guys fight through it, and and it, it's inspiring to see them not give up. Yeah, it's great, and all those guys are gonna have a chance to pitch. Like you said last year, that bullpen was was pretty deep, and so all those guys that were kind of right on the cusp of of getting some big innings are gonna have a chance, and we need those guys to come in and and fulfill some big shoes, and, and they're all capable of doing that, and we're excited about them. And, I, and I'm glad you – it's Carter, it's Foss. Foss, yeah. Not Foos. But whenever I see F-O-U-S-S, I just get Fuseni Triore in my <laughs> head. There's a Foss and, and a Foos. And you see everybody going, Foos! So it's not Foos, it's Foss. <laughs> yep. Carter Foss coming out of that bullpen. So glad you corrected us on that. Raid McLaughlin, your closer, had some surgery. Mm-hmm. He's awesome when he's healthy. Is he going to be out this season? If so, what? Uh, how do you fix fill that be, spot? He'll be out this season, and we like some of the guys we have coming in. We got Peyton Goobler, um, Boston Mavis has been great this fall, and so there's a group of guys there that are plenty talented enough to do it. Just maybe ha- hadn't had the experience that we had those guys had last year, and so we're ready for those guys to step up. And they've they've been great, and we expect big things out of those guys. This wasn't just your way of making sure Reed's your closer for the Big Twelve. No, not at all. Like you never. <laughs> but want he will to be hurt. back next year. Yeah, we're hoping he's back, and and he'll be great for us next year. Yeah, he's outstanding. Well, you, he's, he's a big team for us Trent, now. Just you, help those young you, guys. You got yeah. position players coming back. We lost a lot of pitching from this last season. But position players coming back, and 
And uh, starting with, with Brock Watkins at short, shortstop, what does Brock bring to the game? Brock's a grinder. He comes every day and he's steady. You, you know what you're going to get out of Brock. And that's what you want on your shortstops. He can come in, he's going to make plays. Is this his 10th season? <laughs> it, Doesn't it, it feel like he's been actually, here forever? He's actually on his fourth. So, <laughs> so he's a COVID junior. Is that what we call him? Jeez, now? it feels like yeah, Watkins has been at shortstop forever. Yeah, well, he's played there since he's a freshman. So yeah. just to know you have someone with some experience in the middle. Um, they can kind of can lead the team a little bit. And like I said, nothing should phase those guys. They've been through a lot and they've played, they have a ton of at bats and played a ton of games. And that's comforting as a coach to know that, you know, you have someone to anchor the middle infield like him. Second base, you got your nephew, Ozzie Pratt, who I think earned every minute he got last season. Once, once he got in there, he just got things done. Yeah. He's a spark plug for us. You guys see him. He, he can become a little fan favorite and yeah. he plays hard. He can run, you know, he puts the ball in play and, he had a great fall, so we're expecting him to, you know, kind of be a catalyst and, and kind of get the get the offense rolling for us. And then Austin Deming on the hot corner at third base um, brings you brings you talent there as well. Yeah, all conference player last year, and what he did down the stretch kind of carried us. Um, he was super consistent down the stretch and got hot, and what he did, I mean, really helped us win win those games down the stretch. You know, nine out of ten, he he was like fifteen a huge doubles in the season. Yeah, a, and a, lot, a lot of those were late. Um, he got hot and. We're expecting him just to pick up where he left off and keep going. He's got a pitcher's arm over at third. He used to pitch, right? He did, Because yeah. when he unloads that cannon, it goes over to first base a little different yeah, than the other. No, it's a good arm for sure. All right, you got Cole Gamble moving over from right field to center field. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about his hitting in just a moment uh, when we talk about some of the big bats that are back. But uh, he covers a lot of ground with his size. Yeah, no, he's, he's a good athlete. And that's one thing we missed him for a lot of last year with an injury. Um, it hurt when him and... Him and Andrew Pinchar both went down, and you know, those are your those are your guys. Your two, yeah, our guys in the middle of the lineup yeah. had been our most productive players the year before. So we're excited to have him healthy and back, and hopefully stays healthy all year for us. With Cole going to center, then who who's going to man right field for you this year, Trent? We got Ryan Cepedi's back. Um, okay, which you know kind of what ended up leading our team in RBIs last year, and so it's yeah, somewhere in the middle of the lineup. And man, we're like I said, we have a lot of guys with experience that have a lot of big big game at bats. Jacob Wilkes at first, and he's got a lot of experience. I struggled at the plate last season, but he dug out more balls thrown to him at first uh, uh, than, than I'd seen in a long, long time. A, a very good defender there at first base. Yeah, he's a good defender, and, and, he's, and we just expect him to you know, keep getting better offensively and be more consistent. And he, has, he has all the ability to do that. And then, then Colin Reuter's coming back. Um, it's center field, all WCC freshman team this last year. Nice to have a all-conference honoree in the, in the middle of that outfield. With Reuter behind the plate, right? Yes, that's yeah. what he meant. Oh, sorry, catcher. I'm wrong. Oh, wrong, wrong. Good. You confused me for a second. <laughs> no, no, hey, Colin, he can really Wait, wait is he that good? Should we be moving him to center? No, not. No, he can't run. No, we're not moving him out there. He's, no, it's, our pitcher's up throwing to him. He catches the ball clean, and he has still some strikes for him. And so it's comforting to know that you have a guy that has played a lot back there. I was impressed he, by his arm. Yeah, no, he's good. He's a good defender, and he has a chance to be, you know, a really good offensive player. Is he? Um, is he a return missionary freshman last year? No, he or two years ago. Straight no, out of high school. Yeah, straight out of high school. So straight out. Yeah, him came and, straight out. Him and my nephew played together, kind of all growing up. So Nazi brought him with him, which was good. Nice. Okay. Okay. When you got and then who's going to man left field for you this year? Do you think? Uh, with that, that's a battle. We got some guys out there that are kind of competing. Um, Luke Anderson, a freshman from Santa Clara, had a really good fall. Uh, Tate Gamble is out there. Dawson Hall's back, and so 
man, we're gonna roll them out there and man, may the best man go play. And one of those guys, they're all talented. They can all do they're all good athletes can run, can hit. So that's a tough decision. So hopefully, you know, someone can step up and win that job. Yeah, as you mentioned, there's a lot, lot of uh, talent with experience on this team. That's a nice combination to have, to have th- this many returning. Bullpen a little bit devastated by, by graduation, but uh, certainly is, is, this seems like as many position players coming back as you've had in a while, right? Yeah, it is. And we have returning arms, too. Like I said, they're just – those other guys were really talented. Maybe they just couldn't break through. So they're all going to get a chance, and they're all capable of doing big things for us. As the play-by-play guy on BYU TV, if you put the the two gambles out there, that that alleviates a lot of you know if if the ball's in the outfield, there's a really good chance it's going to one of the gambles. So think about that as you're putting that uh, yeah, that lineup I'll, I'll together. Take that into consideration. I'm sure the the parents <laughs> would probably like you to think about that too. Uh, as far as hitters go, the top batters from last season one, two, three, and four are all backs leading uh, leading the way is Deming who hit two ninety five. Yeah, and we expect we expect no more out of those guys. Um, they're capable of of, of improving on where they left off last year. So, and then Watkins right right close behind, and then 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 Pratt right after him in mm-hmm. terms of your top batters from last year, all back. Yeah, they're all back. Well, we lose Mitch, and we lost you know Andrew Pintar. Um, those are the kind of the two you know everyday position players that we lost. How many home runs do you need from Gamble? He had six with an injury that kept him out of the, the bulk of the conference season. Uh, for a power hitter that you need to have driving in runs, what, what, do you look, what number do you look at? If there's a number, I just want Cole to keep getting on base. That's what Cole does a good job of. He controls, controls the strike zone. And yeah. He keeps doing that. Yeah, that number will go up. Um, so you didn't say we need 30? No, 30 would be nice. I'm not saying I don't want it, but I'm not going to tell him I need him to hit 30. We'll say we need him to hit 30, Blaine, and then Coach can say, hey, that okay. was those guys. They put the pressure on. That's right. We have, we have a really high standard. So, <laughs> hey, do, do you have some newcomers. Are there a couple that, that stand out to you, Trent, that, that people need to watch for that are going to have a big impact this season? Yeah. Um, Grubler out of, out of the bullpen. Luke Anderson's been really good for us. Throughout the fall, those are kind of the two freshmen that have been really good. Easton Jones. Um, some of those players, it's, for those freshmen, it's hard to break in just with so many returners. Um, those guys have a lot of experience and have been a really good player. So, But we like that group. Um, there's some guys on the mound that can come in and help us out as well. Ben Hansen being one, you know, a freshman coming in. Cutter Clawson was here, you know, then back from a mission. Yeah. And he's kind of a two-way guy. He's got a lot of power in his bat. They're really good on the mound. Um, some returners, too, just Cooper Vess, Safea, Maui. Those guys are all left-handed bats. That Safea is a transfer from Hawaii, right? He is, yeah. Brings you some power? Yeah, big physical kid, strong. Um, and so all those guys, I mean, there's some pieces there that, you know, we, we can have a dangerous offense. Interesting. Blaine's gone to Hawaii, and Sophia has come here. Yeah. And that's where we're sitting here. Unfortunately, tonight. I'm going to join him there at the end of the week <laughs> and, and suffer through the rest of the winter with you guys. So. Yeah. Well, that's too bad, Blaine. <laughs> Let's talk about this schedule uh, coming up. First game's February 17th at Louisiana Tech. That's the season opener. Home opener is early March against Omaha. That's always an iffy weather week, and Blaine and I are usually down at the basketball tournament hurrying back to, to, to catch it. But that's, uh, those are the first two key dates, the 17th to start and March 2nd for fans at home to, to watch you play. Yeah, and you know, we'll have a there'll be a good crowd down in Ruston, Louisiana. Then we stay there and play the Raging Cajuns the next week. So 
um, be good for our kids to go down there and, and see some rowdy fans and, and have some fun and, and face a little bit of adversity. And then, yeah, you know, we always cross our fingers the first of March for weather to be good so we can play at home. Yeah, another key date we're always looking at um, is when the Utah game is March 14th. You've got Utah, and then you play them again on April 18th. So you've got Utah twice on the schedule, as as is typical. Mm-hmm. March 14th and April 18th. It's good to keep that alive. Do you see that series staying alive when you guys are in the Big in the Big 12, or or is that gonna no, be scarce like it is in football and basketball? No, that'll stay. You know, baseball we got to try to play 56 games. Yeah, and midweek games. I mean, they're close. Uh, you know, we we both need each other to play those games. So I think we have them three times on the schedule, if I, yeah. don't, if I remember. And one so, of them's up there. Yeah, so we kind of switch. We'll play two at their place one year. The next year they'll come to our place twice. And Coach Henderson, and we have a good relationship. And, yeah, we're going to keep playing. We we need to fill games, and it's easy. There's not a lot of other schools close to us to play besides them and UVU and, and Dixie where we can right. travel down and play in a day and come back. And they've all gotten better. UVU's gotten better. Utah's gotten better. And so they're 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 competitive games and there's yeah. just between uvu and utah that's six games that you can book on your schedule yeah and we, mix, and we usually play dixie twice now and, yeah. and so that helps you know just as far as proximity and travel we're gone so much during the season that we can play a game and if even if it's on the road we can get home and sleep in our own beds that night you've got your wcc opener is lmu this year uh in a series march 16th through 18th that kicks the season off, and then your regular season finale is um, May 18th through 20th with Pepperdine. Yeah, and that the league should be competitive again uh, from top to bottom. The teams at the bottom have, have gotten better, and Loyola returns a lot. Pepperdine returns quite a bit, so um, it should be a fun, you know, a competitive league again. Isn't it interesting that, uh, that as we sit here, it's like 20 degrees outside. We watch it snow all day, and we're talking about a season that's about to start that's going to end – and our conversation's going to be, well, we got to keep the guys with liquids. It's going to be super hot today. It might be 95 degrees. And then we're having that conversation. Yeah, I wish it was that way now. You know, our pitchers are out there throwing bullpens in the cold today. And so we might play in it. So if, anytime we go outside, we go out there. And, yeah, I wish, you know, baseball's not meant to be played when it's that cold. But no. we deal with it. When the, uh, when the stadium over there, when the field has snow on it, let's say – Let's say it snowed three inches. Uh, field's covered in snow. You flip a switch and the heaters come on underneath the field. How long does it take to melt it all off so you can have a practice? Uh, if, it, if it snows three or four inches overnight, we could probably be on the field by 1.30. Really? That's snow. Usually Amazing. They, usually they flip it on like when they see the storm coming, so it, it gets it above freezing, and so it might accumulate a little bit, but it, it doesn't get as much. And so like today, it snowed all day, and – uh, more than half the field was clear, so pitchers were able to go out. They were able to go out and play long toss and, and throw a bullpen. So um, that's yeah, that's it, nuts because that's fairly awesome fairly new, and and it makes you stop and think. Well, how did you do it before? Even though you've only had the field for for a few years, I mean, a big giant mud puddle at shortstop would stay a mud puddle for a while for a long time. Luckily, we have the IPF, and we have great facilities where we can still get our go get our work done. But or we'd much much rather be outside on the field if we can. But if not, we're, we're we're really grateful that we have a facility like the IPF where it's big and we can hit head a whole, whole infield and, and get a lot of work done over there. Trent, there's, there's, you've been all over the country. There's not many college programs that have a more scenic or beautiful home environment than BYU. You, you mentioned was Oklahoma State's coach that said he wanted his kids to have a chance to come up here and see that. Um, 
how cool is that to have those kind of facilities? And now this heated field, I mean, that's as state-of-the-art as it gets mm -hmm. uh, to be able to play. And how does that help recruiting? I mean, it really helps a lot. You know, you got to give a lot of credit to our administration and, and boosters that have helped make that possible um, that give us a ton of support. But you're right. There's not a better backdrop in college baseball. Um, people can say what they want, but there's not a better one than yeah. ours. Uh, by the way, Neil Jones watching in Tucson tonight says it's going to be 29 degrees down there. So he doesn't, he's not, he's not comforting us in any way. They're, they're cold in there. So it's cold everywhere, but where Blaine is, it seems. No, you know what? Yeah. That's just, I was just going to say one word, Hawaii. That's all I need to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. We mentioned this before and let's finish with this one and we'll get you on your way. Who'd you bring with you tonight? That's my son Brooks over there. My hey Brooks. 13 year old. How are you? Brooks, why don't you just sit in that chair for a sec and put those headphones on. Um, we were getting some swings in before we came, so he got stuck coming over and helping out with this tonight. All right. Now, DJ's going to put the headset on and put the mic right under your chin. This is uh, this is an introduction to the big time. Yep. We're going <laughs> to quiz. We, we want to know. Hope people tell me he needs a haircut. Hey, we got a hey, hat folks, on. I can't can even hear see us there? Here. Let's see. DJ's going to turn his mic up. Oh, DJ's going to turn. DJ, I want to know if there's anything that your dad has said tonight that you dispute in any way, shape, or form right now. Yeah, you. That was for you. That's for you, Brooks. Can you hear? No, sir. Let's see. DJ, can we? Oh, let me uh, let me turn you up. Okay. You tell me when you can hear. Can you hear there? Yes, sir. Okay. Now I can hear you. All right. I forgot. I hey, Brooks, can you hear me too? This is Blaine. Yes, sir. All right. Hey, look. Hey, when Dave and I get called sir, we don't even know what to make of that. But uh, but but we can tell you've been raised right by a good dad. I was asking, is it, it, how do you think your dad did tonight? Did he was he good? Did he do a good job? Did he cover it all the way he should? Yeah, he did. <laughs> you have anything you want to add? No, I think he covered it pretty much. Yeah. Um, how cool is it to have your dad as the head coach? I, there are not many kids. Uh, Kalani's got uh, daughters. I don't know too many coaches with sons at your age because your dad is so young that you get to participate in all this with him. What's it like? Um, it's awesome. It's really fun going to the games and just supporting him. It's really fun. Is it nice knowing you can go in the back and get a soda whenever you want? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. That's 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 some of the, one of the perks of having your dad in charge. Uh, Brooks, you, did you did you get a workout? Did you? Go get some some batting in today with your dad. Is that what you're you're saying? You guys got a little workout in before you came. Yeah. How did. cool is that to be able to go work out with your dad? Is that fun to be able to spend time with him and and, and work out with him? Yeah, it's awesome because he knows a lot and he can help me with like everything. So. Does he throw smoke at you? Does he come in with a heater? Sometimes. Sometimes, yeah. just to remind you <laughs> that he can do it. Let him know who's boss yeah. every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, how do you feel about the season coming up? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Seems pretty good. And where are you at? Are you playing uh little uh pony league, what a cult league? I'm not even sure what it's called anymore. Uh or is it AAU club? What do you got? Um, it's like travel ball, so we'll play a lot of tournaments in like Spanish work and stuff, but we have a tournament in Huntington Beach this year. Nice. So I'm excited for that. We can tell all your teammates you've been interviewed on the wise guys. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that'll help your street, street cred, at least with us and, and with your dad. With those guys, they'll go, what? What's that? <laughs> yeah. Just say it's something really, really cool. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thank you. How old are you? 13. 13. So you get your license in what? A year? Two a, years. A year and a half? Yeah. Then you can drive your dad to the 
to the interviews. Yeah. Perfect. That's <laughs> scare you to death. A little bit. Yeah. I got daughters that are 17. They'll go to college next year and I'm not, I don't like it a whole lot to be honest. I don't either. I don't either. <laughs> I, I've had a hard time giving the keys to all five of my kids. It's yeah. just something about it. But what, what is it like having your family participate in this experience as head coach? Man, it's great. I have three boys and three girls. So like to have my, have my family to come to the park and, and be around and, and administration's great. They're like, Hey, we want your family there. We want your kids run around the park. And, and so sometimes they need to be told hey, you don't own this place. Like, you know, they run around like they do, but sometimes you got to put them in check, but it's great. Brooks been our bat boy for a couple of years. And so, um, it's just cool to have them around. Um, I, I sometimes don't think they know how lucky they are to, to be able to come and have, and have that. Yeah. But man, it's just great that we're able to have them around and, and have them a part of everything. Someday, someday you'll appreciate it. Right now, just have as much fun as you can doing it. Yeah, that's all I care. Have I remember fun, my yeah. dad having to tell me, "Hey, hey, this is my job. This, you know, you and your <laughs> brothers. You don't just get a, you just get a uh, have have your way with the place at the football stadium." But we did, and it was awesome. And yeah. and that we remember those times. Yeah, it's no, cool stuff. It is cool. I mentioned Blaine that Kalani uh, has daughters, but he also has. He's got one son, right? Yeah. In that group. Yeah, so. their youngest. Or, well, no. And then he's not the youngest. The youngest is a daughter. They have one son. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to. KK. So you're bad. Wanna, I didn't want to cut KK three. out. Yeah. Three girls and a boy for Kalani. So. Hey, we want to thank the Prats for joining us. We'll we'll cut you free and then we'll see you at practice. Yeah. We're looking forward to thank all you your, guys. All your games. Thanks, Blaine. I appreciate it. On great BYU great TV. to see you, Trent. Great I wish you. I could send some of this warmth over your way. but I wish you could, too. But, but I'm coming back to the cold with all of you guys. We'll try hard. And Brooks, to it was great, great to meet you. you, Brooks. Keep after it. All right. Keep, keep learning from your dad. Listen to him. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> all right. Yeah, he does. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. And thanks. we look forward to the, the team on BYU TV all year long. And, and uh, we'll have a million interviews between now and then. We look forward to it. Let's do it. Hope they're good ones, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. The Prats, we thank them for coming on the Wise Guys tonight. And uh, baseball season just around the corner, February 17th at Louisiana Tech for the season opener. Home opener, March 2nd through the 4th against Omaha at uh, Miller Park. And then uh, the conference play, as you mentioned, Blaine, mid-March, and then it wraps up in late May. Top four teams get to the conference tournament. We anticipate with that lineup that Coach Pratt rolled out tonight that BYU will be in the mix. And uh, they've had a good baseball program for a long, long time, ready to be challenged in the Big 12. Yeah, and it, sounds, it sounds like uh, Trent's made me feel a little bit better about about replacing that deep bullpen that, that he lost through graduation and off trying to make their way up through the through the levels in baseball. Um, we knew he had a bunch of position players coming back, and, and, and so they were going to be strong there. But pitching is where it's at. But but he's made me feel a lot better about pitching, about the guys who are going to fill in there. Some good starters coming back. So, yeah, sounds like this is going to be a good season. I'm excited about it. I wanted to ask him more about the Big 12 schedule because he's seen it, um, but it hasn't been released. Uh, all yeah. the all the Olympic sports know their Big Twelve futures, and we're waiting on football and men's basketball and women's basketball. Um, so we're just gonna, make, you know, maybe Tuesday uh, when they release football, maybe they'll just release everything. Yeah, um, but it's such I hope, a big I deal. They, I hope they release it all. You know, Brian uh, Santiago, when we had him on in our second hour last week, um, after we had Danny Ainge on, has seen the schedules. Got, he's gotten us all kind of excited about that, but uh, yeah, because when we ask Tuesday. him, when we ask him, his his eyes light up. 
Yeah, we he gets asked, excited about it. We asked Tom Homo it. about the football schedule. Is it going to be good? Because he knows who's coming, and he right. knows where BYU's going. He doesn't have the dates, and this was back in November. He just smiled ear to ear, and you're like, yeah. okay, that's that's. I've, I've just been getting answer. excited off of their excitement, which which tells me I think we've got some some fun games in store. And you know what? Being in that league, it's just one of the things that Brian talked about with us last week was the fact that throughout this this. Uh, decade of independence the hard part is the best games are front loaded um and then it's just so hard to schedule quality games at the back end of the season especially um you know late october and into november because teams are playing in their conference and now some of the big games and he was referring because having seen the schedule was like some of the big big games that could mean conference championships are now going to be played in late october and and throughout the the three weeks of november um, big time teams coming in into Lavelle Edwards Stadium in October and November is what this is going to be all about. I mean, you could have a, I don't know, I haven't seen the schedule, but you, know, you could have an Oklahoma rolling in here in the second week of November, which would be awesome. It's going to be hard, but it's it's what everyone's been hoping for since the second they left the Mountain West Conference well, uh, to become. You know something else, though, Dave, that, that BYU doesn't have the benefit. Like, look at Utah up the road, um, with the exception of when they've had a couple of these big money games, um, you know, put together, like when they played Florida last year, BYU the year before, they schedule themselves three wins to start the season. And not only does it give them three wins, so they go into league play three and oh, typically all these schools, but it gives them a chance to figure out who they are for the new players to get their feet under them to, you know, some of these position battles solidify. Maybe the guy that you had pegged as the number twos better than you thought. And you've got, got him as the starter now by the time you get out of those first three. Now you go into your big game schedule and you got a chance to have the right pieces out there at the right time, a team that's playing well together and already is three and oh, um, or two and one. And BYU would just play great teams right out of the shoot. Sometimes seven, eight straight weeks without a buy nine weeks without a buy. Yeah. And they'd get beat up a little bit. They never had a chance to find themselves with those schedules and so one of the advantages of being back in the Big 12 is you should schedule it so you have a chance to find yourself early, settle in, um, everybody understands their role, then you get into your big games and, and conference play. I, I like that very much about being in a league. Well, and I think that's why there's intrigue for Sam Houston on September 3rd and Southern Utah the following week. Uh, in years of, uh, of independence, it'd be like, what? Are we, are you kidding me? This is... Can't we not get any teams? Because there's always go schedule everybody that's big. Um, and now those are two games to get it right with Keaton Slovis and Aiden Robbins and a lot of the newcomers before Arkansas on the road to the third week of the season. Right. And remember, Arkansas playing on the road uh, in the third game of the season is a result of us, uh, you know, the administration of BOU honoring their contract with Arkansas for that return game. You're not going to see Arkansas in the third week of the season and and subsequent years. It'll be it hopefully Wyoming be Utah. Or, It'll be U- Utah. Will be one of those three for a U- while. Utah right? and it, when they get that thing back going. But um, yeah, it, it's I love them having a couple of games to be able to get things going. I actually don't mind if you play Utah in the opener. I'm okay with that. If would, it's Utah and you did that on a regular basis, I'd be okay with that. And then a couple of games to kind of reestablish and find yourself before you get into league play. But the the methodology for scheduling gets very, very different when you're in a big time league like that.
I wish that uh, BYU would play Utah Labor Day weekend every year. Every year. Yep. Every year. I'd, I'd vote for that. Lights up the I'd summer. Speaking of big games that are coming this weekend in the NFL, it's championship weekend in the NFC. Fred Warner and the 49ers are at the Eagles. That's at 3 o'clock Eastern time, one mountain on Fox. Warner led the 49ers with nine tackles, had a big interception, which kept the Cowboys from getting into the end zone on that drive in a one-score victory, 19-12 to 12 over Dallas. Warner was huge. Yeah, he's – and they, they highlighted him. You, you notice they highlighted him and just said, like, what? How many line? You can count the linebackers on one hand in the National Football League that you can line up on a wide receiver and have them carry that wide receiver in coverage down the field like Fred does. Um, yet he's unbelievably active in the run game. Um, I mean, he, he's arguably the best linebacker in the National Football League. He's certainly yeah. in the top three without question, and really representing BYU well. Um, and that was a defensive battle, and they and they beat Dallas in defensive battle, and then. Over on the AFC side um, this week, the Bengals are at the Chiefs. So Andy Reid and the Chiefs are hosting AFC Championship game again. That's 6.30 Eastern, 4.30 Mountain Time on CBS. This is the fifth straight AFC Championship game uh, at Kansas City. Uh, Andy Reid, he's the first host head coach in NFL history to win 10 playoff games with two franchises, you know, the Eagles and the Chiefs. Um and those two teams could be playing each other in Super Bowl when this is all said and done. This Wouldn't year. that be something? The Eagles fans would want to cheer against the Chiefs, but the Eagles fans love Andy Reid. Yeah, well, they ran him out on a rail after he had taken. It just kills me. So Andy Reid goes into Philadelphia, and they were awful when he got there. He turns that thing around where they're just going to the NFC Championship game every year. They go and play the Super Bowl, um, but people got impatient as they do in Philadelphia and New York. We've learned from the Jets. They're very similar. Yeah. So Andy made his way to Kansas City and took over a team. I think the Chiefs won two games the year before Andy took over. And now we're talking about five straight AFC championship games played at Kansas City. One of the greatest coaches in the history of the game is Andy Reid. I think that's settled now. Um, and the thing I remember about Philadelphia is they ran him out of town. They were too impatient. Now they like him because he's successful. Like, oh, he wasn't that. You know what? We love. Yeah, him. oh, he was we great. And oh, he's, you know, he got us to this. You know how people are. They claim him now that he's a hall of famer, right? <laughs> so, what do you think? The best Super Bowl is probably the Eagles and Bengals, which is why I'm hoping it's the Chiefs and 49ers uh, for our guys. Um, but you know what? Yeah, I'm really interested. The, the Niners are playing as good a defense as anybody right now, and and the Eagles are lights out on offense. Um, Eagles are pretty dang good on defense too. The Eagles are really good right now. But um, if anybody can can beat the Eagles, it would be the Niners um, playing a lights out defensive game and really really slowing them down. And that would be fun to see Fred have great success. And maybe hurts. Um, maybe hurts gets banged up again. Uh, we don't know how healthy he is. Yeah, looked fine the other and night. The question for the Chiefs and Bengals is because I don't think the Bengals looked that great this last week, but the the Bengals and the Chiefs. Um, if you got a healthy Patrick Mahomes, then then they're really difficult to stop with his mobility. If if that ankle is really hurt and he is not mobile, that that front seven of the Bengals is they get after it. They move the quarterback around. So to me, it's about the health of of uh, Patrick Mahomes. How quickly does he recover and can he be a little bit mobile this week? Uh, if he's mobile, I, I like the Chiefs' ability to beat the Bengals. 
We've seen high ankle sprains uh, linger. It's going to be cold in Kansas City. I don't think it's going to be the snowball like the Bills had. And I was disappointed in the Bills' performance. Uh, they're at home. They're in their element. It's snowing, and they just got they just got dominated in every phase of the game. Um, but now, now the Chiefs with uh, if you got a high ankle sprain and it's cold, I'm not sure how you I'm not sure how you keep that thing loose and warm. Yeah, it's hard. Well, I will see. I think I think a lot of this 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 game depends on that. Here, there's a lot to be said. Now, both those teams have been there because the Bengals were there last year. But the Chiefs have a bunch of guys that have been in this situation a lot of times. Yeah, They've got veteran talent. We just talked about that with Trent Pratt, BYU's baseball coach. That combination of experience and talent in big games is huge. And the Chiefs have that coming out of their ears. And they also have coaching staff that has been there a bunch of times and knows how to manage it. So so I think, I think the Super Bowl is going to be Eagles and the Chiefs. A lot of people forget the Bengals were in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, and they're back, yeah. and it makes you wonder what in the world happened to the Rams, who who aren't even the Rams fall off the face of the earth after their win. So, but uh, interesting games this weekend: Forty ers Eagles, Bengals, Chiefs, and um, we'll talk about it next Tuesday as to how they how they played out. This day in history on January twenty fourth, it's interesting because nineteen forty seven on this day is when the NFL decided to allow sudden death in the playoffs. So no ties, score, yeah. sudden death. Now they were visionaries. Like I, that, yeah, now. I remember that. I, I like the system way better now where the, each team has a chance to possess the ball. Well, if the first team scores a touchdown, it's over. But in the NFL now, if the first team kicks a field goal, the other team gets a chance to go match that. Yeah. And then you just keep playing. The sudden death thing, it seemed like the flip of the coin was the determinant to who won the game. Didn't like that. I like college overtime rules. Yeah. I wish the pros would do it, but they won't. No. They won't. So, hey, in 1950, uh, Jackie Robinson signed the highest contract in Dodgers history. So th- I, want you li- I want everybody to listen to this. $35,000 a year. That was the highest in Dodger history? At that time, in 1950. The current highest Dodgers contract is Freddie Freeman. That's $27 million a year. <laughs> timing's, Things have changed a little. Timing's everything. Uh, how about this one? I'll take those numbers, and then I'll magnify him with this next one on this day in 1964 cbs purchased the tv rights for the 1964 and 1965 nfl seasons for 28.2 million oh my goodness cbs fox nbc espn together are two years into a 110 billion dollar 11-year contract according to the new york times with a b billion with a B. So two seasons. And back in 64, it wasn't a fight between networks. It was just all CBS. 28.2 million. And today, 110 billion. And, and, uh, and folks wonder, is, is football America's game? It absolutely is. Yeah. How, how about, so in 1982, Super Bowl, um, 49ers, 26, Cincinnati, the, the Bengals, 21. A 30-second commercial was $324,300. That's how much to buy a 30-second commercial. That was a lot of money back then. Yeah. So this year, a 30-second spot will will set you back $7 million That's for a 30-second spot. That's an all-time high. $7 million bucks for 30 seconds. So here's what I like to do with that. Once you know that number, as you're watching the game and a spot comes on and then it ends and you ask yourself, 
did they get you for seven million bucks? And if it's if it's sixty seconds, it's fourteen million bucks. So that's why we usually see the best and most clever ads because they cost so much and Hollywood comes in to produce them. But I like to sit there and go, yeah, that Doritos commercial isn't going to get me to buy Doritos. They missed yeah. on me on that one. Well, if it if it if you go buy them, then they got their money's worth, right? Yeah. If they spend seven million and it generates, you know. Fifty million in sales, then that was a really good investment. That's all they care about. And what's crazy is in the world of advertising, it's seven million bucks, and people buy that time because it's cost effective, because the right. whole country is watching. It's like put a Doritos thing on, and hundred and ten hey, million the people whole world's are watching. watching. The whole world's watching the Super Bowl. It's crazy. Do you get so. twenty million eating Doritos the next day? You've really, you've really come out yeah. ahead. Hey, in nineteen eighty four. Um, not only did BYU win a national championship in 1984, but Apple, they launched the Macintosh personal computer, the Mac. Those That's are, not that long ago, Dave. No, but those are two events that changed our world, the national championship and the the Mac. Can you imagine where yes, we'd be without the Mac? Yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. So that happened on this day back in 1984. And then it was a long time, remember, because you won the national championship. Well, let's see. Did they award it in, in early 85? Was that what it was? Because the bowl game was the end of we, 84. We, we, won in, we won the bowl game. Our bowl game was um, 1984 for the, that. And we played before the end of the year. Yeah. But we didn't truly get awarded the, the unanimous vote until um, after all of the bowl games were done on New Year's Day and all that. So we were officially crowned, not until the beginning of 1985 that's but it was for the 1984 season gotcha all right our january 24th birthdays 1917 ernest borgnine he seemed big I remember, enough i remember so. ernest but that man he's older than i thought he was yeah so um 1941 neil diamond he's still kicking it 81 years and old you want to know what they neil diamond there's there's a new um musical on broadway that just opened um, called the beautiful noise that out that basically um, is the story of Neil Diamond's life. I've I'd heard it. See that. Fantastic! It's got to be because the music is. I, I, whenever you're, the radio's on the oldies and whatever, and a Neil Diamond song comes on, we know all the words. And now they sing them in, at ball. When Sweet Caroline comes on, at the everybody, Fenway, knows, every or, generation on the earth right now knows Sweet Caroline, right? Sweet Caroline. Everybody goes bum bum bum. Everybody, right? How about, how about that influence of Neil Diamond? Yeah, that it, it's crazy. 1945, Elder D. Todd Christofferson was born on January 24th. It's his birthday, 1945. Happy birthday to Elder Christofferson. We saw him at the ball game the other night. Yes, we did. And we invited him to we come We invited down. him to come join us. He said maybe next game he maybe would do next. it. Come put the headset on. John, yeah. John Belushi was born on this day in 1949. Wait, so we go in from Elder Christofferson to John Bellucci. I know I hesitated as I wrote that, but it's facts, 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 facts it, are it, facts. That's okay. It's just a juxtaposition I felt, you know. So <laughs> 1957, Mark Eaton was born on this day in 1957. Mark Eaton passed away two years ago. Was there Way too young, uh, but a big part of the fabric of the uh, Salt Lake City and the Utah Jazz history. What a good man Mark Eaton was. Was there anyone more dominant? as a defender and a brick wall. I mean, there were big guys who were better than him offensively, but when it came to defense, was there anyone at 7'4 who changed the NBA more than Mark Eaton? 
he was the ultimate rim protector. Yeah. Ultimate rim protector. He was great. And he was a big part of them, um, you know, during the glory years with Stockton Malone. So. A, a notable death on January 24th, 1965, Winston Churchill. Yep. And, and, uh, I've, I've seen a few movies that feature Winston Churchill. What an interesting person. There's so many quotes attributed to Winston Churchill and great leader at a, at a troubling time. He's in the McCann uh, family bloodline. Oh, wow. So we're excited about that. that. It's got to, you got to go way back, but, um, but we're related to, of course, in the end, uh, we're all related <laughs> as you get back to the first parents. But uh, yeah, so Winston Churchill, a big figure in Europe especially during those challenging, challenging times. Passed away today in 1965. Let's finish with our Wise Guys Inspirational Thoughts of the Week. I went with Thoughts of the Week because we got a couple of Hawaiian thoughts that I thought you'd want to share while you're over there. Yeah. So, so Don Ho and, and you know, the, the famous entertainer said, coming to Hawaii is like going from black and white to color. I would agree with that right now. This time of year, we leave the gray drab and white of Utah, and we came over to the lush greenery with all of the flowers in bloom in Hawaii. Amen to Don Ho on that. <laughs> all right, and Mark, Mark Twain. Yeah, what Mark Twain? Why don't you, why don't you give us Mark Twain's? Mark Twain wrote, "Hawaii is a paradise born of fire." Think about so it. So that's his reference to their volcanic islands, right? Yeah, lava formed them all. The the Big Island here, we're we're on Oahu. The gathering place, but the Big Island of Hawaii still has active volcanoes erupting. The island is growing; it's still in a growth phase. So, so it's still being born of fire over there. A great quote from Mark Twain, who, by the way, spent significant time in his life in my hometown of Elmira, New York. Oh yeah, his study there is on the campus of Elmira College. He wrote the the um, the book Huckleberry Finn while looking at the Shemung River in Elmira. Tells you what kind of an imagination he was imagining the Mississippi. Um, he married uh, Sally Langdon from Elmira, New York, and, and they lived there in Elmira for a while, my hometown. That's my my uh, claim to fame with Mark Twain. Nice. And then the last one um, is the bad news is time flies. The good news is you're the pilot. Michael Altshuler, an author. Bad news is time flies. That's true. Good news is you're the pilot. You get a kind yeah. of And so that's not a Hawaii quote, but that's one to remember as we as we sign off for another week that Time is going too fast for all of us, but we're the pilot. We're in control. Spend it doing the things you want to do. You might tweak that a little bit uh, as you as you come home because the bad news is that time did fly, and the bad news is that you're not the pilot, and it's bringing you back to the cold. Bringing me back to the cold. Yeah, that's all right. I need to be in studio with you next Tuesday. So we got a big show next week. Lauren Gustin and Nani Falatea, outstanding players on the women's basketball team, will be here in studio. And Coach Gordon Eakin of the softball program, an icon over there. Uh, and then, you know what? I think we may have on this show the Big 12 schedule next week. That would be awesome. Let's hope for that. Keep our fingers crossed. Let's do it. Let's get the Big 12 schedule next Tuesday for the show. So what are you doing the rest of the day over there in Hawaii? Just let's finish with something that's going to be. You know, be, I think we're going to go, go have Wendy's. a nice meal of Kahlua pork and rice and fresh so, pineapple and just chill maybe around the pool until the sun goes down. Yeah, yeah. So you're at Turtle it's, Bay. It, it's almost 5 o'clock here, so there's still about an hour. And the sun doesn't set so early in the winter here because it's kind of the same length day all, all year long because it's closer to the equator. So um, we've got about another hour and a half or so of sun. I'm going to make sure I get more of it. My Renault's is a little red, but I did put sunscreen on it. So yeah. hopefully by the time you see me <laughs> next Tuesday, I'll be really brown. So um, 
the Roy's is still right there on the outside. The restaurant right outside the hotel is that still there? Outside uh, Turtle Bay yeah. Resort. Yeah. I don't know. Just if to Roy's the right. Because remember when we used to come all the time and do games here, the Turtle Bay was a Hilton, and now it's just the Turtle Bay Resort. It's not affiliated with Hilton, so I don't. I don't know if it's still here. I'll check it out because you and I both like us a little Roy's. Yeah, you should go there and uh, and eat. And, the, you know, they got the fire and all that stuff. Roy's and, and Hawaiian Fusion. Order- There's a Roy's at the Marina Marriott in San Diego where I just spent the four days previous to coming here. We did our show last Tuesday and immediately headed to San Diego. I was in San Diego Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Flew home Friday night, flew to Hawaii Saturday morning. That's my week. It's been rough. Well... Diane and I were over there about like five years ago, I think, and Roy's was there. And so go okay. just walk outside and see if Roy's is still there. And if it is, I'm gonna check it then, out. Then if it is, we'll probably eat there one night this week. And for get, sure. get a Virgin Lava Flow. Uh, they just those are the best. We always get one of those, world. and we have a toast to you. So yes. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm gonna go to Wendy's and get a cheeseburger. So you and okay, I have very different nights the rest of the way. Hey, just for the record, there's nothing wrong with McDonald's either. No. So. Jay Hill with us tonight, BYU's new defensive coordinator and the head baseball coach, Trent Pratt, with us. Fantastic show. Thanks for being with us live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and YSGuys.com. Blaine, aloha also means hello and goodbye, correct? That's right. Aloha. And what's mahalo? What's mahalo in there? Thank you. Mahalo, Mahalo, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, mahalo for carving in uh, two hours to be on your own show uh, while you're over there in paradise and have a good time. And we'll see you back here this weekend. See you this weekend guys. The podcast will be up tomorrow. Tell your friends. We'll see you next week for the wise guys. Thanks everybody.